Stand with me if you're able and honor the word of God as I read Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Our text, our text today is out of Mark. We're reading the, the Gospels together. We've arrived at the New Testament. Last week uh, we preached from Matthew. Now we're preaching from Mark. If you're with our reading program, we won't go to Luke next week. We'll go to uh, John, and then we'll combine Luke, who's the writer, of course, of the Gospel of Luke and of Acts. So we'll kind of com- combine his writings together. So if you're with us this week in Mark and have been reading that, uh, continue next week in John. So leap to John, and we'll come back and do Luke and Acts. So today we're in Mark. Chose this at the beginning of Mark in chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, so we are seeing there what's happened so far in Mark uh, jumps right into the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jumps right into it. Here's the story. And so the title is uh, about that story. It's the story of the gospel of God. It's the story that God is telling, and now he's going to finalize the telling of it in the life of of his son. This is about the life of Jesus. And so we're going to see uh, through Mark Jesus demonstrating, especially in the first eight chapters, the demonstration of his authority. We see this word authority, Jesus having authority. And we'll look at that, Jesus' authority. In the first half here of Mark's gospel, it's dedicated to showing Jesus demonstrating that authority, not just teaching with words. He does do that with authority, but he also carries that out through the demonstration of his authority, and we will see it over sickness. We see it as we read Mark, his authority over the laws of nature. He can calm winds and make water stop and be calm immediately. He comes on the scene and immediately establishes his authority over the demonic world. And he also calls and appoints and sends out disciples so that they can teach under uh, his authority. And we see all this. We see in Mark, if we saw in Matthew, one of Matthew's favorite words was fulfill. So he uses that over and over again in Matthew, thus was fulfilled, thus was fulfilled, fulfilling, thus fulfilling. In Mark, we hear in his gospel the word immediately. Just over and over again, I believe I read it was mentioned 46 times. He uses this word, immediately. Jesus, showing Jesus as a man of action, a man that doesn't just speak the words, but 
immediately things happen. And there's this sense of an eyewitness telling the story, and you're captured up in it and mark and and immediately they do this immediately jesus says this and immediately they're in the synagogue and immediately the person is healed and immediately immediately it's this man of action so i think reading mark i hope you had a good experience of it just being uh powerful in your lives and i hope this gives you uh some idea we'll look specifically at a few stories can't cover the whole gospel but i think this of mark but we're, we're looking at this text specifically, and we're looking at the stories that follow, especially kind of in the first uh, several chapters of Jesus demonstrating that authority. Ready for the journey? All right. So Mark 1, I said in verse 1, it's the beginning of the gospel. It's the beginning of this good news story that God is telling of his son, who is the son of God. And Mark's going to establish that real quick. The gospel is news it's what's happened he's not mark's not coming on the scene and saying this is i'm going to give you a bunch of advice you guys are doing pretty good but i'm going to give you some steps of how to get there the gospel's not advice advice can be good in certain situations but that's not what the gospel is gospel is news it is what god is doing And it's specifically, in this instance, what God is doing, the good news that God is carrying out in the life of Jesus. Here's what's happening. Here's the news. Ready for the news? Ready what has happened? Then get ready for Mark, because he's going to jump right into it. News is heralded. It's news that is proclaimed. This is what is. It's news, not advice. And Mark 1.4, John appears on the scene. What's he doing? Is he giving advice? No. In John 1.4, it says he's proclaiming. So proclaiming. He's, he's preaching. He's proclaiming. And in Mark 1.7, what did he preach? He's preaching about this one coming after him who is mightier than I, John says. He's proclaiming there's one coming who is mightier than I. I'm not worthy to untie his shoe. Okay? There's one mightier coming. He's proclaiming it. He's not, he's not saying, oh, it might happen. This might. He's saying, it is. This is what is. That's what news is. He's proclaiming. He's preaching. And so Jesus arrives in our text on the scene. After John has been that forerunner, he is that Elijah that was to precede the coming of the Messiah, Jesus clarifies. It was John. It's John the Baptist. So in our text, when it says, now after John was arrested, that's the coming of the end of John's ministry to prepare the way for the Lord. A voice crying out in the wilderness. Get ready. There's one coming who's mightier than I. Get ready. I'm announcing it. The king is coming. Get ready. Everything's going to be new. Everything's going to be different. So he's out there proclaiming that. He's not saying it might, well, giving advice, anything. He's announcing, heralding news. And Jesus comes on the scene doing the same thing. After John was arrested, Jesus comes into Galilee proclaiming. He's preaching. He's proclaiming the gospel of God. He's saying, here's the story of God. You guys ready for the greatest story ever told? Here it is. Here's the story of God. 
culminating in the Son of God. That's what Mark's saying, that in the very opening, he's saying the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel of God told in the Son of God. That was my, my title. The story of the gospel of God told in the life of His Son. It's a take a little bit on the subtitle of Tim Keller's book, King's Cross. He's talking about a king that's going to the cross. And the subtitle is uh, The Story of the World Told Through the Life of Jesus. Story of the World Told in the Life of Jesus. You guys want to know that story? The story proclaimed, the story that was meant to be, that's meant to be for all of us, told. Get ready for that story to be told. The story of the world, the story of what all is to culminate in a life, in the life of Jesus. We'll see how that's lived out, how that's meant to be, because it's perfectly lived out in the life of Jesus. And to see it is beautiful, and Mark wants to tell it. He wants to write it, he wants to organize it, he wants to put it together and tell us of this great news story. And it is this, the time's fulfilled. It's fulfilled, the time is up. All you're waiting for, there's no more time left. It's full. The kingdom has arrived. This is what Jesus says. Time's filled up. It's full. The kingdom is at hand. Kingdom is a word, a compound word of king and dominion. King's dominion. It's the king has arrived and his dominion and rule and authority is going to be lived out and demonstrated and shown. And that's what Jesus is going to do. You ready? So our response is, Jesus says, repent, get ready to change everything about the way you think. Get ready. I'm not just improving on something. I'm making all things new. Get ready. Repent. Change your mind. Change your way of thinking. Change all your paradigms. Throw them all out. Something new has arrived. The king is here now. All the time is fulfilled. All the waiting. All the longing is here. The king is here and his rule. I'm about to show you what it looks like when the king rules and reigns. Where the king goes, he reigns. And that's what it looks like. So immediately, (laughs) immediately, again, this word, they confront the demonic. Jesus subdues the demonic world and says they will be in subject to him. Be quiet. Don't try to tell who I am. I will say who I am. You be quiet and you come out and you shut your mouth. Immediately, I'm going to plunder your house. I'm going to plunder all the captivity that you've had all this time. And I subdue you and I put you under my feet. And now the king has arrived. And immediately that begins to happen. He shows his authority over the demonic realm. Jesus heals many in the demonstration of his authority. He heals many of sicknesses. He calms winds and seas. He demonstrates his authority over the laws of nature. He he uh, demonstrates his authority over the demonic and the demonic world. And he teaches for it with authority. So his words are with authority, different than all others. Mark says 
In Mark 1, 21 through 22, and they went to Capernaum, and immediately, again, this is his favorite word, he could have just said they, they arrived on the Sabbath, and immediately, you know, you're just caught up into this story, this man of action. On the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. Not as the scribes. Being under and hearing the teaching of Jesus was with authority. So I've been using that word a lot. And authority means out of the original stuff. Think of that. He spoke as one who spoke out of the original stuff. (laughs) It's the same root word as author. Jesus is the author. He's the originator. He is the source. Think of that. He's not commenting on what these people said and what those people said. and You know, he's saying, I say to you with authority. This is different. This is different than anyone had ever taught. He's not pointing you just, you know, to another person that will show you the way to God. He's saying, I am the way to God. The king has arrived. Think this, this authority in his teaching, this author. The listeners heard Jesus telling them the story of their lives as the author of life, not just somebody commenting on life, but the originator of life itself. They heard that authority. This guy's telling me my life like he made my life. You know why? Because he did. That's the sense there. I am the, I'm the light, Jesus says. Who, who else says that? I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. I am, I am, I am. And he teaches with that kind of authority, claiming the name, I am. It's, it's all through the Bible. You don't see it as much because the Bible, it doesn't make sense. You know, when uh, they, they come to Jesus to arrest him in the garden and they say, well, who are you after? I'm after? We're after Jesus of Nazareth. And for him just to say, I am. That's all he says. But we have to add to make it sense in English, I am he. We add the he. We add it, I am he. Like, I'm the Jesus you're searching. But really what he says is, I am. And you know what the soldiers do? They're to arrest Jesus under the chief priest, soldiers, you know, people that have a sense of who God is, that name that they won't utter, that name that they won't speak. He's uttering it. Just like what he said to Moses, the burning bush. Who are you? What did he say? That's what he's saying over and over again. He's not saying really, I am he. He's saying, I am. I am. I am. He teaches with that kind of authority. Like no one ever has. No one ever did in that day. And no one ever will. Jesus is unique in his authority. He is the source and the author of authority. 
Feeling me? Yeah. I can get into it. I can feel them. I can, I can sense. Wow. Astonished. What is this, teacher? Who is he? He's the I am. And he's making no bones about it. And he's creating controversy. Controversy. See, in Mark 2, verse 5, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Remember where we're going to get into right now? The healing of the paralytic man? People ripping off a roof to lower this man. Some friends of his. We can just get Jesus, but the crowds are too pressing in. He's cast out demons. He's healed people. We're just in the beginning of Mark chapter 2. Goes fast, doesn't it? And they're ripping off roofs lower to Jesus and seeing their faith. Seeing their faith. And what you expect to happen is to Jesus say, I see your faith. You're healed. And he doesn't say that. Seeing their faith moves them to something much deeper. Much deeper. I want you to follow me this with this phrase, much deeper. He claws at something like Aslan the lion calling at Eustace. Ripping the layers of the dragon off of our skin that Eustace himself, peeling off time and time again, can't get out of that dragon skin. But one claw from Aslan that goes deep, that he thinks is going to kill him, doesn't kill him. But it removes that dragon skin and he's a boy again. This is, these are the stories. Jesus coming and unexpectedly to take the dragon skin off. He sees their faith and he moves him to something more. More than casting out the demons. More than just healing this man. Going after a deeper need and a deeper cut. He surprisingly in 2.5 says, Son, this is amazing. Your sins are forgiven. And he knows who's there. He knows the religious leaders that have gotten the best seats in there right around him. And he senses and knows their reaction. And their reaction is Correct. Only God can forgive sin. Who does this guy think he is? And that's who Jesus is saying he is. Right there, he's building this controversy about that he is the I am. Seeing their faith, he didn't just say and pacify and get along with the crowd and say, well, we'll just keep doing what we've always done because faith isn't static. And seeing their faith moved him to be the one that cuts deeper and announce the good news of who he is. And right then there's a division. Is he a blasphemer? Is he a blasphemer? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? Is he really the I am? Right there, Jesus is like, boom! The sword dividing. That's what he'll do through, through this text. He'll push you deeper to either believe or get out of the way. And start getting on the board with the people that say he's a blasphemer. And start planning and plotting to kill him. To put him to the death. And that's what he's doing right now. He sees their faith and he says, I'm on my way to the tree. I'm on my way to be the I am king who will go to the cross for you. And right then he knows the conference. And there's no going back from that. He started a journey in Mark 2 saying your sins are forgiven that he can't go back on in Mark. He's announcing the gospel that I am. He's proclaiming who he, who he is. 
He don't want demons doing it. He tells them to shut up. He's doing it in his way and his timing. And he says the time is fulfilled. The king is here. His dominion is here. His rule over the demonic and his rule over much more than the demonic and sickness is here. His rule over sin itself is here. Now, who can forgive sins? I mean, think of that. It's like me going up and, you know, slapping Teresa and then rifle over here going, uh, Teresa, I forgive Bobby for doing that. I didn't slap rifle. Slapped her. How can he forgive me for what I did to her? He can't. You can only forgive people for what they did to you. So who is this man's sin against? How can he say your sins are forgiven unless those sins are against him? And they know it. He can't unless he's God because all sins are against God. This, this, is, this will blow your mind. When you're sinning, and I, I guess the best way to, to say this is you're not sinning against others first and foremost. You first and foremost have sinned against God. Think about that. That's wild to think of. I thought I just did it and acted in the moment and I struck out against that person. But something has already happened a lot way before that. You've rebelled and despised God and his word. And you've acted evilly in his sight. And the best story of this is with David when Nathan confronts David. And in 2 Samuel 12, 9, you know, Nathan comes to him and you'd think he would just finally call him out and say, yeah, you're that man. You're that man that took that sheep. Yeah, you're that, you know, and you're... You, you did these wrongs, and you did, but he says, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil inside? And Nathan the prophet got it. You sin, you sin against God. Yeah, but there's a Bathsheba. And you know, the, you know, no, you despise the word of the Lord. Second Samuel 2.13, David says in return to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And when he writes Psalm 51, 4, he says, Against you, you only have I sinned. What? You sinned, you sinned against Bathsheba, her family, Uriah. You, you sinned against him and you had him killed. You sinned against, against you only have I sinned. Oh, Lord, sins are first and foremost against God. That's how deep. Our sin is, and that's how the answer is only in God. And he's telling the life right now in Mark of the life of Jesus. And he has authority to say, son, daughter, my child, you may think you're coming to me. And your biggest problem is you can't walk and your legs don't work. But you know what your real problem is? Sin. I can heal you. I could heal you. You could get up and jump around with your friends. You could walk out of here all happy and in that euphoric state. Oh my gosh, my biggest desire, my biggest wish that I could walk has been fulfilled. Jesus gave me my greatest wish and now I can run around all euphoric. And you know how long that's going to last? A week? No, that's a real big one. A month, two months, a year, a year's. It'll never last through all eternity. What we need is a deeper 
wound that cuts us at our core and tells us the truth that our deepest need isn't to get new legs in this life. It's not to get nothing in this life. It's to get forgiveness of our sins that we can live with Jesus forever. And it'll pale. Everything else will pale. All things. See, Jesus didn't just come as some euphoric miracle worker. That's what some people want. I want this guy who makes my brain feel, makes me feel high, that gives me what I want, what I request of him. I want him to do what I say. And he says, you're not the I am. You're not the king. He knocks you off of your idols and he says, I'm the king. Are you going to follow me or not? And your greatest need is for your sins to be forgiven. What about with Jairus? He wants his daughter to be healed. What? Well, she's got a really bad fever. He's worried about her. But what does Jesus do? He says, what you need is a resurrection from the dead. I'm going to delay with this other woman while your daughter is at home sick and everyone's begging me, including you, get her. She really, Jesus, let, hey, who touched me? Come on, Jesus, get her, hurry, hurry, Jesus. Hey, who was it? Because Jarius needs something else besides a daughter cured of a fever. He needs to see his daughter raised from the dead. That's what he needs. He's stretching faith all the time. Everything they think they got Jesus in a box and he just carries them deeper and he cuts deeper and the wound is deeper. But his healing is deeper because that's how much we need him. We need him to go at the core of our idolatry. Just like we read in our liturgy today. Now look at people. Oh, they worship gold statues. Oh, look at these big giant Buddhas in the world. All these people still worship these gold statues and these temples and all this. <laughs> we need to look at what Jesus is cutting in our own heart. Saying, I need to remove this out of you. This idolatry. This something that you put first in your life instead of me. We need to let him remove it from us. We need to have him remove our dragon scales. And we need to be his child again. He's coming to rescue you, and he's coming to do that. And that's why he has come. And to the woman, she touched his garment, yeah. It is powerful. Jesus felt power, comfort. He felt that authority to heal come out of him. He could have gone on his way to get to Jairus' house. The woman could have left healed in secret. Nobody knew I had this bleeding disease for all these years, and I was unclean, and I was in their midst touching a rabbi, making him unclean with my bleeding disease. Yeah, I'm healed. And Jesus stops and says and calls her out. Publicly? 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 In front of everybody? Everybody stops. The disciples, what do you mean you touched you? There's all these people around shoving and touching. (sighs) Touched me and took from me the authority to heal. And she has to crawl back publicly saying, cutting deeper in front of everybody, confessing. It says she told the whole truth. She laid it out there. I'm an unclean. I've been bleeding for 12 years with this malady. And I came in here in the midst of people, touching people, touching you, which everything in the law said was wrong to do, to touch and to make others unclean with my uncleanness. She lays it all on the line because Jesus wanted her to. 
She, he wanted more for her than to secretly sneak away with her healing. He wanted to go after and cut her deep and remove the dragon scales so he could say, you're my daughter. I forgive sins. I am. And she was like, you are. And she got way more than she bargained for from. And she was willing to be, when he says, go in peace, that go in shalom. It's big. It's a big word. Not just go with a great feeling. Woohoo! Peace. Peace. Go with shalom. Go with order in your life. Go with well-being. Go with everything in your life fitting together now because you find the life of Jesus. Let your life be transformed in the order that I have brought and meant and that I'm demonstrating with this authority. I give you more. I give you shalom. Yes, your disease is gone. Go. But it was much more. It was much more. I love it. I love it that he's coming after me with that kind of, he'll let you be shallow. You you can't be a shallow follower. You're not a follower. He cuts. He wounds. So he can restore with what he came to do and he came to deliver you. So these stories are great. He's even Lord of the Sabbath. He's not just coming to reform religion. He's coming to bring a whole new religion. And the whole new religion is based on him. I'm the Sabbath. (laughs) That'll blow you away. Meditate on that for a while. I'm the rest you need. There is no other rest. I am Jesus. I am the Sabbath. If my disciples want to pick grain, if I want to heal this withered man, you know what? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and I can do it. You know why? Because I'm the source of the Sabbath. You know why? Because I have authority. You know why? Because I'm the author of the Sabbath. I know why I made it. I know why I established it, and it wasn't so. You couldn't pick grain. They had added that. That was one of the things. It wasn't so. You couldn't rescue your ox stuck in the mud. It wasn't for that. He's speaking from the source of who God is, and he's saying, I am the source of the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath. You get no rest outside of me. I'll tell you what it is. My disciples can eat grain. I'll tell you what it is right after at the very next story. Withered man in the hand on the Sabbath. They're all looking. I wonder if he's going to do it. I wonder if he's going to break the Sabbath. I wonder. He goes, yeah, I am. Because I am the I am. Reach out your withered hand and healed. And their hearts were hardened against it because he was saying, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And they did not believe. Their unbelief said, that's blasphemous. It was was from the healing of the paralytic from this time on. It's a matter of, do you believe or do you not? He's either a liar or a lunatic or he's Lord. He doesn't give you the choice. He doesn't give you the choice. Say, well, I just want to stay in the middle. Say he was a pretty good teacher, and he was a prophet, and he was another one of the prophets. Doesn't give you that choice. Doesn't. It's not laid out that way. The story's not laid out that way. You can retell it that way, but that's not the story of the gospel that God is telling in his son. He's saying, believe him. Believe he is my son. That is the good news that he is the son of God. That is the opening verse of Mark. This is the story of God. This is the good news story of God. That Jesus is the I am. He's the king that has arrived. He is the son of God. He is here. Jesus has come. He turns to the cross. He begins to tell them about the cross. Jesus, you know, says, 
He's saying, I want you to see a whole new story, a whole new identity. This king that I am, you've got a good grass now in these first eight chapters of my authority. This king's going to die for you. Peter says, no, you're not. I'll tell you how the story goes. That is not good news. It's moving from strength to strength, Jesus. It's taking all what you've done, winning everybody over, and ruling over our enemies. I've read the Bible, and Jesus, let me tell you how the Bible is. And Jesus says, I'm the source of the Bible. I'm the Word made flesh, Peter. You're Satan. You have man's desires, not God's intent. You do not understand that the king, the king, I'm telling you, will die for you. He'll suffer and die for you. That's the way the story goes. They don't get it. We don't get it. We don't get it. We don't get that Jesus, after that, tells them, that they must suffer too. You must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. You must follow me. You need me and you need the gospel. That's what he says. Jesus calls them and he says, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Mark 10, 42 through 45. They exercise authority. He's talking about authority. But it shall be not so among you. But whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first must become the slave of all. And here's what Jesus says about his life. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, me, the Son of Man that Daniel prophesied, being the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's who the king is. And this king will die for you and pay the ransom that you owed. The debt you owed to win you back to himself. Everyone want a king come for him? You want a king to come for you? Stories are all about kings coming for you. Somebody coming to rescue you. Somebody to come and kiss you while you lay on your deathbed so that you'll come back up. The Cinderella story. The, the stories are all telling. We long for someone to come and rescue us. And Jesus is that true king. He has come to rescue you, pay the ransom for you, wake you up, call you from the dead, resurrect you, and bring you to new life. And he has to do it by dying himself. And he expects us to die as well. To die for him, to deny ourselves, and believe in the gospel. We need this king. This is the gospel according to Mark. This is the story of the world in the life of Jesus. Of course, it's just in part because I've only highlighted a few stories, but it is some of the main points. He is our king, and he has willingly laid down his life to ransom us from our sins. Let's get this together and take this meal together. that will go to the cross and give his life for us. And he did. The true king has come for you. He's come to rescue you from much more than you think. And he's going to expect a lot more from you than you think. But he has all done it before. And to infinity more times 
than we will ever go. He doesn't ask us to go through anything that he hasn't gone through and that he hasn't gone through in infinitesimal more degrees than we will go through. If he asks us to deny ourselves, he has denied himself. And he does. In communion, he says, remember my death. Remember my body that was broken for you. Remember my blood that was shed for you. Remember the life that I gave for you. Let's remember that together. As we give thanks for the bread, we give thanks for the one who is the bread of life. He said, I am. I am the spread of life. And I've come for you. Out of love, your life will reorientate around my love for you. Your identity will be in that I love you. Let's partake of this bread and say to him, I know you love me. Help me make my life revolve, my identity revolve around the fact that you love me. Let's partake of the bread together. In like manner, he took the cup, said, this is the blood of the new covenant, the cup of the new covenant in my blood, given for the remission of sins. Scripture says, without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, and Jesus knew that. He entered into that confrontation, knowing it would take him all the way to the cross for you, but he decided to love you before the worlds were made. And he sure wasn't going to back out now that he was here in the flesh. Father, we partake of this cup and remember the blood of Jesus that takes away our sins. Let us partake together. This is the Jesus that we worship. Let us worship him now.